This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 415 of the Yellow Airports. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we will talk about Dortmund's unsuccessful trip to Munich, the Straßenbahn Derby against VfL Bochum, transfer rumors and more. And uh, as you can see, dear YouTube watchers, <laughs> I'm joined by Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's not a static profile pic, so, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know if it's an improvement, but I'm here. How's it going? Yeah, it's it's going real uh, well. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say it's going well, but then I remembered it's Thursday and the 76ers play tonight, and I'm nervous and it's not um, it's maybe not going well. But uh, Matthias, 76ers is a uh, a good point in, in my case because that game slightly overlapped with the Bayern game, so I didn't watch it in full length. Uh, I switched it off pretty much after Zagadou decided to dribble inside and uh, pass the ball to. Joshua Kimmich. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I <laughs> I feel like I've missed a lot of drama, but uh, thankfully you are here to talk me through huh. it. Um, now, huh. obviously, uh, the the lineup was interesting. We said uh, we we saw Khanie in it for the first time, for example, and uh, yeah, obviously uh, a centre back pairing uh, with uh, Zagadou and Akanji and uh, a back four also with with Wolf in it. So, um, yeah, interesting lineup. Um, what do you make of, of the choices that, that Rosa made considering the constraints he had uh, from injuries? Well, I mean, it's kind of been the theme this season, um, not just for Borussia Dortmund, but just in general. I mean, you kind of got to do what you got to do with who you have when you have it and hope for the best. And um, overall not bad um it's weird because well, i mean we're going to talk about zagadu um but uh i think he put together the most competent lineup he could put together under the circumstances given yeah uh i i don't really disagree much i mean it's if you look at the bench it was almost just under 19 players and um I'm surprised that the game was as competitive as it was when we really talk about it. I mean, the uh, the first goal that Bayern scored was pretty much also their first real big chance. Um, and that was a set piece. I mean, it was a nice header by Goretzka. And then uh, Gnabry, I think it was, um, had an excellent finish. Uh, Dortmund not really closing him out whatsoever. So um, that was super annoying, especially since it was yet another set piece goal. But... Um, other than that, I thought Dortmund had a decent start, as they so often have in Munich. And then the doll goes awry. Um, I, <laughs> I think there was another offside goal where Dortmund were really lucky because Marius Wolf just basically fluffed it. Yep. And uh, yeah, we had a couple moments in between, but nothing nothing too big. And uh, yeah, then uh, Robert Lewandowski with the... I don't know if you want to call it dagger already, if it's too nothing, but uh, it, it it felt very deflating because uh, it was a very self-inflicted goal. I mean, we've I've already talked about it, but uh, yeah, Zagadou was under a bit of pressure. Uh, the the passing lane to his uh, center back partner was cut off, and uh, instead of passing it, just you know, back to Kobel. Uh, sorry, hits. <laughs> My bad. Uh, different Swiss guy. Yeah, different Swiss guy. Uh, I nearly forgot that uh, that hits played instead of Kobe. Um, yeah, he he tried to uh, dribble uh, inside, and uh, you can see that uh, Kimmich really anticipated the pass uh, to to Emre Can. He was already running before Zagadou even knew he was going to pass that ball. <laughs> so, um, yeah, very unfortunate and um, to me, Matthias, it's also very annoying because. This is a sort of mistake you do not expect from a Borussia Dortmund center back whatsoever. And uh, I don't know if you want to call it clumsy or silly or, or moronic. Uh, I don't know what the perfect uh, 
way to describe it is, but uh, I, I think it's it's not good enough for Dortmund Standard. And also for Dan Axel Zagadou, who, yes, was out for a very long time with uh, countless injuries this season, but I think um, he needs to be better at this point. And the fact that he isn't uh, gives me question marks uh, around his uh, contract extension that he, I think, is fighting for. Um, and, uh, yeah. It, it, it's just sad to see because it's it's such an unnecessary thing and, uh, you know, if you're a centre-back and you, you look where you're passing, you pass straight into a passing trap like this. Um, yeah, it's it's not really excusable in, in my view. Well, I mean, I've made my opinion on Zagadou well-known <laughs> a few times on this podcast. Uh, I think he's past the stage of saying, oh, he's talented um, because it doesn't matter anymore at his age. He, this isn't the first time, um, it's not even the only time in this game that he does, he just doesn't show up, he, he doesn't uh, perform properly. And what's interesting is um, twice a week right now, I get to watch my son, who's 11 years old, play basically rec league uh, football here. And, you know, it's not an academy. It's basically just local club. And uh, I see a lot of the same defending uh, <laughs> amongst the 10 and 11 year olds uh, that I see from Zagadou at times. Um, also, when it comes to Bayern's third goal that, um, you know, hits. Well, my opinion is hits isn't a very good keeper. Yes, he had one really good save in the match. But other than that, I have zero confidence when he's in goal. And on that third goal, he fluffed it. Zagadou just basically stood there, didn't move, didn't jump. Um, he's been out jumped a few times over the last few seasons, which when you look at the frame of the guy, I just don't understand how that's even possible. Um, and he gets flustered too quickly. He's a little too lax. And what I used to rate about him, which I thought, you know, he had a pretty high footballing IQ when it came to passing and playing out the back. Um, I'm starting to question that more and more because that was not good. That was really, really, really bad. Worst case scenario, just punt the ball away and be done with it in that type of a situation. Um, even players that are highly capable of passing out of the back, Mats Hummels, in a situation oftentimes like that, he'll just boot it forward because at the end of the day, that is your best, um, I guess your best tool, your best weapon you has, have as a defender is worst case scenario, just clear your line yeah. and then reorganize. Uh, and against Bayan, you should know better. The problem is Zagadou against Bayan, has a questionable track record when it comes to Bayern matches. Uh, so it was really unfortunate. Like you said, Marius Wolf got saved by the offside flag because his was actually worse, in yeah, my easily. opinion. <laughs> I mean, that was just like, oh, my God. Um, but then, you know, and Dortmund also just got outplayed, got outpressed in the first half. Uh, second half, things changed. And the one uh, statistic that I've mentioned a few times that bothered me in games like, say, against Fürth or Mainz is that Dortmund got outpressed. And in this match, Dortmund actually outpressed Bayern. They had more pressures than Bayern. And that really changed in the second half. And I don't know what Rosa said or did. The tweaks, I didn't pay that. I, I don't, when Dortmund play against Bayern, it's like Dortmund against Schalke. I don't look at the tactical nuances from the outside looking in just because emotionally you're far too wrapped up in the game. Whereas against other opponents, I'm more capable of looking at that. Right. But Dortmund just played more aggressively. They played with more focus. I mean, in that first half, Dortmund didn't play poorly. Bayern just played better, and there weren't a lot of decent Dortmund looks at goal, whereas in the second half, that changed completely. And um, Holland had a few opportunities, Royce had a few opportunities, and then, of course, there were the penalties, <laughs> both given and not given. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I saw the penalty, uh, the one that wasn't given the next day, and oh my god... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let, let, let's talk about this in, in a minute because um, obviously mm. it's always easier to have, uh, you know, to outpress your opponent if you have uh, fewer possession because you have more opportunity to chase after the ball. 
I guess. Uh, but but nevertheless, um, yeah, uh, I've 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 heard and seen about the uh, um, yeah different uh, you know uh, swagger after after the halftime. Um, what's uh, of the pressing improved actually? Because um, in in the first half, if you watch a lot of Bayern games, um, you know opponents play very negatively against Bayern. They park the bus and they usually don't even come across the halfway line. And uh, what Dortmund do well against Bayern, uh, opposed to a lot of other teams, is that they um, play them uh, around the entire pitch. They don't just you know sit back and 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 crawl into their shell and and wait for Bayern to attack. And then you have. Uh, one wave of Bayern attack after another. That's uh, usually not the case. The Dortmund Bayern games um, oftentimes are very open. Obviously, there there have been instances where where Dortmund too are just coming to the pressure and and can't really um, free themselves and, and play themselves out of the back. But uh, uh, right now, this Bayern team, Matthias, I don't know how you see it, um, it's not at the peak of of its uh, capabilities and uh, no, I, I think we, we, we saw that and obviously it's annoying that Dortmund still managed to lose that game but uh, then again um, we, we have a lot of excuses <laughs> when it comes to injuries and also just down to form I mean uh, if you look at all the chances that Erling Haaland had um, I think if he's really in form and not uh, you know having a weird ankle injury that does not get any MRI in imaging um, I think um, he he puts one or two away, and then uh, that obviously already changes the dynamic of the game. Um, I don't know um, what gear Bayern could have found, considering um, it was a, a game where they obviously wanted to wrap up the title. Uh, but still, um, I I think Bayern were beatable or drawable on on this day, and uh, yeah, Dortmund failed to capitalize. Uh, and yeah, not uh, getting that second penalty, which is a slam dunk penalty, is obviously really frustrating and annoying. And um, yeah. the the Bayern bonus, <laughs> the much cited hmm. Bayern bonus, is alive and well yet again. Um, it it just boggles my mind that we have two games between Dortmund and Bayern this season. There's big refereeing controversy both times, and um. This one, I think, was even more blatant than uh, the whole Zweiergate, if I'm if I'm honest, because uh, I don't know how the video referee does not help his uh, referee on the field uh, and, and tell him that this is a clear penalty, because Pavard obviously fouls uh, Jude Bellingham there, and then he plays the ball because his leg ricochets off uh, Bellingham's chin. Yeah, I I can see how in real time. You see Pavar playing the ball, but uh, you know it, it takes literally one highlight or one slow motion, and you see instantly that this was a foul and and the penalty. And I mean the other one, uh, the other somewhat controversial thing, where uh, I think uh, was it also Pavar who then it was Pavar at the at the basically in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, Julian Brandt's ankle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can, I can see the explanation because the referee after the game, uh, the next day, I think, in kicker, in kicker, made the explanation that uh, uh, he didn't see that particular foul on on Julian Brandt because the ball rolled into the direction where it would probably roll if uh, Pavard actually played the ball. And uh, I don't know if that's a red card. He himself said that should have been a yellow card. Um, but uh, may maybe reviewable, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, in in terms of uh, the the penalty decision, it's it's just endlessly frustrating. And in, in in that regard, I'm just really glad I didn't watch it live because uh, <laughs> my head probably would have just exploded. Um, Matthias, maybe <laughs> maybe we need to discuss the VAR once again in in more general yeah. terms because once again we've been let down big time. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm a proponent in theory of VAR. Yeah, so am I. Um, I. I think anything that makes the game fairer and alleviates clear bad calls um, is good for the game. Yeah, maybe that one uh, whether, goal would have, would have stood otherwise. Yeah, and whether or not it takes... 10 seconds or a minute or 30 seconds. I'm, I'm past that. I don't even care. I think that's a non-argument at this point. Uh, VAR is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. What I just don't understand is the arbitrary nature of the video assistant jumping in 
when yes, when no. And in a penalty situation, in my opinion, it should always be the video assistant going, hey, Danya Zibat, go take a look at this. And then he goes to the side, takes a look at it, and makes the call. He basically gets to review his own call again. Versus the VAR just saying, we're going to take a look at it. Nah, it's all good. Which, by the way, is utter bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I mean, if you want to get a re- get away from conspiracy theories when it comes to Bayon getting the benefit of the doubt 100% of the time, then you actually have to address that. This does not do that. And Daniel Zibat on the next day said, yeah, both situations were mistakes. Yeah. But uh, like, to it's mind boggling. How the hell, Matthias, is the, it that but, every time in the next day yeah. on Kicker you read, oh, well, don't want to misread yeah. it. You know, how, oh, and, how many times? Well, The problem that Daniel Zibat has, I mean, the the one the in the middle of the pitch, again, I don't know if exactly that's something that VAR can jump into or not, um, but that's not a game-changing situation. This is a game-changing, league-changing situation, and I'm going to protect Daniel Zibat a little bit because if VAR doesn't tell him to take a look at it and VAR says it's all good, he has no transparency. He has no way to go, are you sure? Yeah, this is solely on, on the, and on the VAR it is system referee. purely on that. And it's not the first time. It was Marcus Gitz, by the way. Yeah, that, um, that Dortmund have been just screwed. Just completely host. And uh, there's somebody on this podcast who pointed out on Twitter that had in both those Bayern games, <laughs> the call's been different. And Dortmund, who were in the ascendancy in both situations in the game, had gone on to win both games. We would have a tied situation at the top of the Bundesliga table. So, yes, Dortmund, there are games where they've dropped points, where they shouldn't have dropped points, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. This is the head-to-head. This is a massive, this is a 12-point swing in the table. Yeah, exactly the 12 points of difference right now. Yeah, if, if these points, if these games stay as they were, and even if Dortmund had made up some of the points in games where you're like, ah, they really should have beaten this team or Say, beaten that team. <laughs> yeah. But it still wouldn't have been the 12 points because Bayern still would have been ahead. Yeah. This is the direct swing. And that's where I get so angry. And I think a lot of people get angry because it's like, how can you not argue that they look the other way literally when it comes down to Bayern? I mean... The, the other year with the Boateng handball, same thing. That also was the yeah. title race deciding. Yeah. You know? And it, it was, that was the two point. That was Favre's first season? Was it Favre's first season? I think so. I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, either way, these are the games where it comes down to it because you're swinging three points each way. I mean, it's a six, six points both times. It's the, oh, it's the classic six pointer. And that's what this is. But now we're talking 12 and that's the gap. And you're going into the final three matches of the Bundesliga season. And the, the, the season was decided. Not entirely. Cause of course, Dortmund, yes, they could have won other games. It's a six point gap if my map. Exactly. Okay. Both, both are draw. It's a six point gap with nine points left to play for. The, ga- the season isn't over yet. And because of VAR's non-calls, that changed. Yeah. And yes, Dortmund had opportunities in both games. I don't care. It doesn't matter anymore. This is too big to not do it. I mean, it's like for the years of Ribéry getting away with not getting red carded. Yeah. Or the Champions be- League final. Yeah. Where, where Ribéry would have sent, been sent off and yeah. uh, Dante surely needs to go. Yes. I mean, these are... This is... I mean, the, the problem is also I watched Serie A. About it, but I mean, no, how I, many times did Dortmund play in the Champions League final and then getting yeah, hosted it, by the ref against Bayern again? Yeah, you know, it's just... Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a wound that reopens like every five minutes when you watch a yeah. game between Dortmund and Bayern. Yeah, and and... You know, it's it's basically if you watch Serie A, Juventus over the decades has always gotten the call. 
You know, if you watch uh, La Liga, you see uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid getting the calls versus other ones. Um, Historically, you maybe could have said Real Madrid got the calls, but you can't make that argument anymore. Uh, You know, big teams get big calls. That's just a fact of life. But when you have VAR, where you can review these specific situations... That shouldn't be the case. Do referees sometimes have tendencies, they're human in games, to call more one way or another, especially if they do or don't like a team or player? Yes. It's unfortunate, but it's true. But when it's VAR, when everyone can see it, yeah, this is not interpretation. This isn't like the interpretation of a handball rule from years past. This is a clear Jude Bellingham was fouled, by Pavard, it's a penalty, stone cold, period, no discussion. I mean, you even had Stefan Effenberg, of all people, calling it a scandal the next yeah. day in, in Doppelpass. So if, if even he's right up about it. And I mean, yeah, you, you talked about my tweet and I just want to highlight here that I am not lobbying for fair treatment. I'm lobbying for preferential treatment to what Dortmund. <laughs> I just want to make it clear because... Uh, I just, I just wanted to highlight, yes, if Dortmund win both games, uh, the Bundesliga right now on this match day would be tied. You know, Bayern would still have the better goal difference. But if you want to market your league, is my argument, just give Dortmund the benefit of the doubt rather than Bayern. And then if Dortmund win the games, and we surely will not complain if, uh, if uh, we get a doubtful penalty call for once and uh, Bayern don't have theirs, uh, uh, you know, basically made a no call. No complaints on my side, you know. That's After 30 plus years no. of it going the other way, of course not. No, there, there need to be so many so many consecutive calls and, and, and games where Dortmund uh, uh, have some preferential treatment before I call it even. So, no. But I, I, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's asinine. Bayern are so dominant as they are. The fact that then on top of it all, they, they get uh, this... I don't know if it's preferential treatment. I don't know if it's a buy-in bonus. Probably not. It's just human error. But nevertheless, it is. Yeah, but that's not human error. That I mean, you, the, the Marco really, Royce thing. You really thing, think there's more of a tinhead thingy going yes, on? Yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, the Marco Royce situation from the first match. Mm, okay, maybe you can interpret it the other way. Maybe this you can't. You just can't. There is no reinterpreting what happened there. There is just not. Just like with Jerome Boateng. There is no... There is no interpreting that. No, absolutely not. What what really got me, though, is Zibat, I think, explained in Kicker that he did not point to the spots in the uh, Bellingham versus Pavar scene. And now, I don't know if you read it, too, but uh, his explanation was that he... uh, had a bad experience once when he called a penalty for Bayern in the cup final against Bremen, which also was a high-profile game. I think it was Coman against Gebre Selassie, where it clearly was not a foul, but uh, he was fooled by Bayern, by the diving Coman, and uh, pointed to the spot. And that obviously also tilted the game very much into Bayern's favor. So uh, because he he screwed up and uh, gave Bayern preferential treatment in, I don't know, when when that cup final was, 2009. It was a long time ago. 2016, I don't know. Uh, yeah, now uh, we get preferential treatment for Bayern again. The other way around. <laughs> it's it's just funny how, how these things happen. Well, then he shouldn't be a referee. He should be fired today. He should never he's, call he's another Bundesliga guy, game again. He's also the guy, by the way, who, who did not send Kimmich off for that stamp on Jadon Sancho's foot in the Super yeah. Cup. Which yeah, also but I'm was sorry. Egregious. If if you say I'm not going to call a penalty in that situation because I once called a penalty incorrectly pre VAR, he, he he said that uh, that back then he he called it not being like a hundred percent sure, and now he only uh, calls the, the slam dunk penalties. I mean, okay. at least Dortmund did get the one penalty. I think. Uh, well, I mean, that was like, come on. <laughs> I mean, that was so obvious. There's no, they're there. I mean, there's no conjecture, but the problem with, I have with Zebat there. So here's the problem with VAR in that situation. Referees are told if you're not a hundred percent sure, don't blow the whistle. It's kind of like with the offside, even though the linesman knows it's offside. It's like, even if they're like three meters offside, they won't wave the flag until everyone's run another 20 feet. 
and then they'll raise the flag because of VAR and all this, which I think we can all agree if it's that blatant, just raise the flag, stop them from running. But, you know, they're told if you're not 100% sure, just don't blow the whistle. VAR will correct it, right? But VAR got it wrong. But at the same time, if he's saying because he gave a penalty once where he wasn't 100% sure, he's not, if he's not 100% sure, he's not going to give a penalty. I mean, but VAR would correct it then the other way too, wouldn't it? Yeah. It it just, it, it baffles me uh, that, that that's the discussion. But then at the same time, in a penalty suit, anything in the box, anything that could go one way or another, give a goal, don't give a goal, give a penalty, not give a penalty. If VAR looks at it and goes, because VAR didn't just look at it for a glance. I mean, it took a little bit before they basically said, don't worry about it. If they, if VAR has a, hmm, we're not sure, then the referee should go to the sideline and take a look at it, period. Because then it's all on the ref. Yeah. To correct their own decision. I mean or if, not. If if it's if it's like this, I mean I, I I've seen I've seen the replays in three or four angles, and to me you don't even need the on pitch review because no. it's that clear of a penalty. But um yeah, I, I still think that uh, especially in the, the high profile games, referees should often go to the review area and take another look for themselves because um, it's always better that they themselves then have the confidence in, in their own decisions rather than, uh, you know, rely on, on Marco Fritz because obviously that dude is highly unreliable. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, that's how the NFL works. Yeah, but but, but just just think think about, um, you know, if you're Daniel Siebert, you are now the guy talking to kicker. It should have been Marco Fritz talking to kicker and explaining himself, really. Yeah. And uh, I mean, <laughs> now the, the, the referees have, have uh, taken drastic actions and uh, created the video assistant refereeing boot camp, so to speak, uh, before the final uh, three match days in the Bundesliga. Um, because, yeah, apparently and clearly they're also not very happy with their own uh, performance. And, and how can they be? I mean, uh, that's... It, it's been shambolic and we haven't even talked about the, the potential improvements. You know, I still think that referees should absolutely announce the calls in the stadiums. And since every Bundesliga stadium has high resolution video walls, I, I'm also 100% uh, for it to play the replays, the, the live feed of the VAR referee. If there's a review, you need to show it to the, to the audience on the video screens. See, the, yep. be, because the transparency... You know, it's it's not as good as it can be, and other leagues do it much better. Uh, other sports do it much and better. Other, yeah, other sports do it much better, and uh, I I think it's it's also very simple to to sync the the live feed of the VAR room to uh, the the stadium screens. And I mean, when you're standing in the stands, uh, I I think you actually need to l- see even more what the VAR is reviewing in terms of priority of people that need to see it than the tv audience because you've literally paid to go to the game and i think you literally need to know what what is going on because oftentimes you know you you have no idea what what happens and all of a sudden the referee holds a play and you know touches his ear and uh, then you're just standing there and and have no no clue and um, then uh, they decide on a penalty but no one explains to you what happened and then maybe if the stadium Wi-Fi is good enough, you can go on, on Twitter or whatnot and then check what happened. But uh, I think for for a football watching watching experience, um, that's uh, just not good enough. That's no, my view. I I agree. So um, yeah, should should we move on? I mean, um, yes. The 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 highlight of the game, so to speak, was that Jamie Bino Gittens got about thirty or twenty seven minutes or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, obviously. Um, he is the exciting young talent when Dortmund signed him. We've already talked about him, that uh, he was obviously going to play for the under-19, but it was clearly formulated that uh, that was sort of uh, a year or a year and a half, and then he will join the professional team. And now he was subbed on uh, against Wolfsburg, albeit very late, and you couldn't really see anything. Uh <laughs> 
uh, with the 10 seconds he had left on the, on the field. But uh, against Bayern, I, I think uh, I, I saw the uh, compilation that some people put together on Twitter. And uh, to me, it, it looked very uh, promising. He had one really nice Hollywood pass um, where I think was it Haaland uh, who, who couldn't finish that. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, skip past a couple opponents, you know, it, it's, it's just the, the player profile that Dortmund absolutely need. You need a fast mm -hmm. player uh, that, that can beat players one-on-one, -on -one, and if he then has playmaking attributes and score goals, even better. Reminds me of someone. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, since you actually saw it live and not just in uh, five-second clips apiece, uh Please tell me what your first impressions were of the young Englishman. Uh, very, very positive. Um, again, kind of, you know, teasing or alluding to Jaden Sancho is not without reason uh, because same basic profile initially. Um, uh, it's still obviously it's way too early uh, to, to say anything beyond what you see there. You got to see it over multiple matches. We've been through this before. You know, Jaden Sancho had his slumps. Christian Pulisic had his slumps. Gio Reyno had his slumps. Jude Bellingham has yet to have a slump, I must add. He has it occasionally within a game, but yeah, overall... Yeah, he has like many slumps, but like every other yeah, player. He's, he's, he's insane. Yeah, okay, Marco Royce has slumps. He, he's yeah, not young yeah, anymore. Yeah. No, um, you know... They, but what was positive is he got thrown into the deep end against Bayern. You know, this isn't a game against, you know, I was going to say Wolfsburg, but I guess he did play against Wolfsburg. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's count. not it's not a, a, against a team where, um, you know, the, the pressure is a little bit lower or the quality is a bit lower. And I this is against add, Bayern. By that time, the game was actually still open. It was only 2-1. to Correct. One. Correct. Correct. So... The confidence for Marco Rosa uh, to put him in there and be like, okay, he's my best option off the bench right now to make a difference, uh, says a lot. And on top of that, his um, he didn't seem phased by it at all. He didn't uh, make the silly mistakes that sometimes young players do in situations like that, facing off against Bayern in Munich in a packed house. Uh, where they're trying to wrap up the title, you know, and the pressure's on, so to speak, and Dortmund were in the ascendancy in the game. All of that speaks for him. So uh, I liked his, obviously, his pace, physical ability, which I expect from a young player. Um, touch looked good. Uh, his confidence to play passes like that says a lot. Now, of course, we'll have to see given more time. I would like to see him play from the start in the next three games because odds are Dolman are going to wrap up finishing second. They're nine points up for grab. Dolman, I believe, are, what, eight points clear of third place. And so, you know, odds are you're going to get a point out of the next three matches. So why not throw him in there, play the full 90 or at least start the game and have more for the, for the rest of the season for us to really kind of judge him. Granted, Pressure's going to be off a little bit. Also, because Bochum aren't really playing for anything. They're not going to be relegated. They're not going to Europe. So it, it's it's the right time to try something like that without completely overwhelming him. We've seen players also be overwhelmed by situations. So I think the future looks really, really bright. It's, it's a position now that you and I have talked about or a profile of a player we've talked about where we don't know if Dortmund needs to buy one uh, for next season. I would say no, he's there. You just have to have to showcase him, play him. And ideally, he is not as fragile as Gio Reyna. Yeah, I mean, Gio Reyna was uh, going to be my answers of, of players that uh, are somewhat similar in, in the fact that they actually can win a dribble. Um, Donia Marlin can do that. Yep. Uh, he doesn't utilize it near often enough, in my view. And, uh, of course, uh, Karim Adiemi, should he join, and it looks more and more likely, um, is that kind of player who is uh, more of a, of a playmaking winger, if, if you will, who can, who can dribble. But it's all fast as heck. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really nice because I think Bino Gittens, um, and, I mean, we are let's say, experts when it comes to young talents just by being Dortmund fans and watching uh, so many youngsters come through the ranks. And I think you can often instantly tell 
whether you have a hit on your hands or not. Um, the only time Luca Gil was <laughs> massively wrong with uh, was with Emre Moore. <laughs> but a lot of people were wrong with yeah. With I Emre mean, Moore. Emre Moore really did did have the talent, but um, yeah, never developed the tactical not, discipline. Not here. Yeah. Not not in the noggin. No. Highly unprofessional. But uh, yeah, apart from that, I I think you can very often instantly. I mean, almost with any new signing, but especially with with young kids. Um, yeah, uh, that that are just so talented. With with Gittens, you, you see it too. The the touch he has, the um, the balance, you know, the the way he positions his body. You you don't need to be uh, a football scout to to see it at that point. You know, um, you need to be a football scout to to see when they are thirteen, fourteen. I I, I guess, and uh, from that project to the future and where they can go, obviously. But uh, yeah. Uh, no, the way he's playing is is very positive, and I think it's it's very exciting for us because um, yeah, I I think uh, there was instantly the news that when he turns eighteen, uh, his contract will uh, extend automatically more or less for for three years. So um, yeah, exciting times. You know, uh, he can be the difference maker in the future for Dortmund, just like Jaden Sancho was. You know, maybe. He needs another season or so to to get really to the level to be a, a consistent starter for Dortmund, um, but obviously right now it looks like Dortmund um, can have him as a dis- difference maker, but don't have to have him as a difference maker Correct. going forward because of the other signings they are probably making, and he is just hoping that Girona will actually recover from the muscular injuries. Yeah. Next season. Yeah. You know, it's it's always there with a bit of an asterisk, but um, you know, when when it comes to the attacking midfield, um, which, um, to me is not the main focus this transfer window, but uh, nevertheless, uh, having someone like Gittens to me is just instantly exciting, and I fully hundred percent agree with you. Um, dude needs to start against Bochum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think why not? Might as well. Yeah, I mean, literally, both teams have nothing to lose at this point. No, I mean, who's chasing us with eight points? It's Leverkusen. You think they're going to win yeah. out? There's no, no chance in hell. And I mean, RB Leipzig are nine points away from us. I don't know what their goal difference is. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's slightly better than us, but I I have a hard time believing that if Dortmund play by no Gittens, that they then can't beat Bochum. I think it's actually increases Dortmund's chances to beat Bochum. Um, yeah, but they can't at least get a point out yeah. of three games. Yeah. I mean, Bochum also only had one win in the last five games, which came against Hoffenheim. Other than that, they lost to Gladbach, who are not in great shape. They had a scoreless draw against Leverkusen. Fair enough. Um, then they lost three nothing against um, Bochum, and just recently they lost to freaking Augsburg, um, yeah. who are also in in 14th now. I think Augsburg just very late in the season saved themselves. Um, I don't know. Um, that was a weird game. Yeah, Bochum has has thirty six <laughs> points. Stuttgart have twenty eight. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's going to uh, be any danger for for Bochum this season. Plus, uh, uh, after the one hour draw, um, it's it's a derby game, and uh, I have sympathies for Do- uh, for for Bochum because they're they're close city and uh, they're a non threatening rival really for Dortmund. So you can have sympathy for them. Kind of like Schalke. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Uh, Historically, just uh, yeah, the, of course, yeah, of course. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I've I've went to many Bochum games myself. I love the stadium. I love the the bratwurst and currywurst they have on offer there. So I personally uh, find it great that they are in the Bundesliga, and even better, they're staying in the Bundesliga ahead of teams like last Windhorst, Fandits, Hertha, or or Stuttgart or Bielefeld. No. Yeah. So um, a great story for for Bochum. Obviously, the second year might be much harder for them, uh, but still, uh, as a VfL Bochum to even make it a whole season and, and survive it is is fantastic news. And uh, just for the long term future of their club, it's it's just very welcome because they can very much use that uh, extra TV money yep. they get. <laughs> I mean, they're just like uh, one point of VfL Vo- uh, Wolfsburg at this point. If you think about yeah. this, the discrepancy of Volkswagen money versus VfL Bochum money, it's just mind blowing. So, um, good on them. Um, but yeah, the, the the question mark is obviously who will play for Dortmund, Matthias, because uh, I think Emre Can is now suspended as well. Is that right? Uh, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, uh, 
I, I think he is. Uh, let's open Kicker.de real quick. Um, and uh, Witzel should probably return and uh, as, as a holding midfielder. Um, but otherwise, I expect a similar lineup to the one that uh, played against Bayern, to be honest. Uh, hopefully, we'll Yes, Emre Can is out for the next match. Yeah. Yeah, ho hopefully Gittens replaces Ranier because um, I don't know if he, if he played any better in the second half, but uh, Ranier uh, was, I mean, he, he looked kind of absent in the, yeah, in the well. game. Like he, he, he wasn't really negative, but he, I don't know. He's just like a ghost. He's always like a ghost. I mean, yeah. it, I, it's kind of one of those a where it would have been cool if it worked out. Ghost. Apparently. Yeah, it would have been cool if it worked out, but obviously it hasn't. Um, I mean, I know it's a two-season load. Yeah, just like with uh, It'd be nice if Dortmund can somehow get out of it because he adds nothing aside from literally being someone who's not hurt. Yeah. Taking up space. Um, and money. I, I, I saw, I think Marka was it that reported that uh, the, the volume of this deal is about 13 million. Yeah, yeah over is, two seasons. Yeah, over two seasons, yes. But it's still a lot of money considering what Dortmund got out of it. Yeah, I mean, given the hype behind him coming out of Brazil and, and the uh, talent he does possess, it you know, two seasons, 13 million, you can kind of justify it. But now based on the body of evidence, it's like, all right, uh, can we somehow get out of this, please? So, Kobe might return. Mm -hmm. Doubtful. Same with Hazard. And uh, Witzel is, is, is more likely to return. But otherwise, Hummels is still out. Uh, Dahoud yep. is still out. Um, Meunier, obviously. Moray is, yeah, he's going to miss the entire season as it looks. Uh, Reina, obviously, out for the season. And uh, yeah, other than that, Schmelzer and Tigges uh, and Unbehorn, obviously, also out. Um, yeah. Now, um, we still have. A couple of home games left, uh, this one, and then, of course, the one against um, Hertha Berlin. Um, now, Marvin Hitz, I think, is likely to leave. Uh, I, I think that's mm -hmm. uh, been announced. He, he mm -hmm. you know, had his Instagram post calling the, the last classicer for him, and um, Roman Bürki also said that he wanted or was hoping for like a, a farewell appearance. Mm -hmm. um, Which I think he deserves. Yeah, I I agree. So um, with with Kobel being still doubtful, uh, I actually wouldn't mind if one of the two would play in this game and the the other guy then in the next game because yeah, yeah, I love Gregor Kobel. He is our future, and I'm very grateful that uh, Dortmund actually made the decision to sign him despite having mm -hmm. a keeper like Roman Burki, who's decent. You know, he's not a terrible keeper. And St. Louis City are getting a formidable goalkeeper, um, but yeah, uh, Kobel is on a, on another level, and he will be the anchor behind the defense that soon will hopefully consist of uh, Niklas Süle and Nico Schlotterbeck uh, plus whoever else is in there. Maybe we have to talk about Amos Pieper in a, in a minute because he's been linked, uh, former Dortmund player, uh, now Bielefeld player, mm. um, could join Dortmund on a free. Is this someone where you say, I'd rather have him as a free transfer over Zagadou? I don't know. I don't know. That's a difficult one to say. I mean, Pipa, former Dortmund youth player, will be cheaper uh, than Zagadou on wages. Bundesliga proven. Um, doesn't get injured as often. I mean, I guess if I have to pick between the two... Or, or Pongracic, you know, he's also... Oh, no, gone. no, Pongracic, get rid of him. No, yeah. no thank you. Um, phew, that's a that's a, t a surprisingly difficult call. I mean, Amos Pipa obviously will never be a starting... If everyone's healthy, Pipa would not start. No, if everyone's healthy, healthy, Zagadou won't start. Same. You know, I mean, Akanji is looking like he's leaving, uh, but if you have Schlotterbeck... Hummels and Zule, they are so much better than, and more reliable. That's the key thing than Zagadou. The only thing with Zule is obviously he can be injured. That's where then I'd probably lean towards Pipa because if you're going to back up an injured player, I don't want to back up an injured player with an injury prone player 
who, you know, Pifas, he's not a playmaker. He's not going to be the one who's going to play the ball out of the back. But um, apparently Zagadou is not capable of that anymore. So you may as well have just the guy who's solid, who'll clear the ball, and maybe on occasion clear the opponent. I mean, look at look at Pongracic. He can be decent at times. And obviously, I'm sure people will make a mistake here and there as well. Of course. Um, of course. But, I mean, he, he, he did go through the Dortmund youth ranks, and he knows the surroundings. And if he's happy with the role of being a starting centre-back for 15 games a season due to Dortmund's injury malaise, then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then uh, then that's okay for me. I mean, that's uh, ultimately his decision. Uh, his contract is running out, and so he can go wherever he wants. Um, but I think it's uh, it, it it would be a decent signing um for Dortmund, uh, especially to replace Pongracic because we clearly need depth on that position. You know, Hummels is aging, and you know his knees, his patella tendon, and whatnot. Uh, you never exactly know. How his health status is, Niklas Süle uh, has some muscular injury all the time. And uh, yeah, Nico Schlotterbeck, I don't know how, how his uh, health is, but I'm sure once he dons the black and yellow dress that uh, <laughs> it will just <laughs> decline from there. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think Dortmund need to beef up on that position and Amos Pief, but I, I think has um, by now uh, the CV to, to be the perfect guy for that. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that. Free transfer, you won't demand high wages. Uh, and that puts Dortmund in a different position also in terms of Zagadou and what to do with him. Because exactly. um, if I have Pipa, I don't think I would need Zagadou. Because uh, Zagadou will demand more wages. He may already be on higher wages than Pipa would be. Honestly, I don't at know. this point, it's, it's, it's really a painful non contract extension because the amount of talent that Zagadou has and that he has displayed already for Dortmund it's been insane and if he can get it going and probably at another club uh, I think we'll ruefully look back at uh, not extending that contract but that being said it's really hard for him to to find his feet at Dortmund and I think he just probably needs a change of scenery and maybe it's another Bundesliga team or, or wherever it lands, but um, I think yeah, or, there's, there's a really good uh, player in there, but we yeah. just can't get it out of him. No, I think maybe going back to France to a team that's kind of pushing in, in European competitions, um, uh, Strasbourg or somebody like that, I think that would benefit him. Pressure's lower, competition quality's a little bit lower, um, and closer to home. I think that always benefits a younger player. You know, if I'm if I'm brutally honest, if I were Bayer Leverkusen, I'd be looking at Jonathan Ta and be like, hey, maybe Zagadou is our guy. Because Leverkusen don't need the top-shelf centre-back because they're a team that, that bungles it all the time and they should stay true to their brand. So if Zagadou can become a good defender there, then... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That That's a move that I personally could see if I were Leverkusen, I would make since it's a free signing and uh, Jonathan Ta to me, is not a, not a serious person. Or not a serious player, rather. He is a serious person. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's maybe a, a gamble I would take. I don't know, just saying. But I also don't know what Zagadou's... Uh, Correct. Plans are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, next subject, Matthias... My favorite one is Erling Haaland mm. still mm. sticking around. Uh, now, there have been reports a few months ago that there's uh, this release clause that apparently evaporates on uh, April 30th. Is mm. it confirmed? I don't know. Is there any mm -hmm. truth to it? A couple of days. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's soonish. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, today is also a very interesting day. I woke up to a lot of uh, people... Um, apologizing already for uh, uh, falsely publishing the death of uh, his agent. <laughs> so <laughs> That was so weird. Yeah, just a regular <laughs> day on your Twitter.com. So, Matthias, um, obviously the hope is um, that Erling Haaland uh, announces his transfer now instead of tomorrow from a Dortmund perspective because they want to replace him and they need that, that money, they need the bag to uh, reinvest it. Um, so, yeah. Um, we haven't really talked uh, 
us to about the MRI situation and whatnot, but um, yeah, your your final thoughts on on Erling Haaland um, as as the season winds down and uh, yeah, hopefully by the time we speak next week, there uh, there's more news to discuss. I wish him all the best. Uh, it was amazing to have him at Dortmund, and I hope uh, for him and for the sport's sake that this doesn't become now a lingering long-term career affecting injury situation for such a young generational once in a lifetime type talent. Um, and you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously his form has not been great this second half of the season also because of injuries. Um, and then just, And then when he's played, yes, okay, granted, he scored two goals against Wolfsburg, but against uh, Bayern, he didn't. Uh, he had opportunities, and it just didn't quite work for him. They weren't super high percentage opportunities, but we've seen him score those before. Um, and so I think he's just, he's a young player. He's hes working on his form. He's frustrated with injuries, and, and I'm pretty sure he's frustrated by not knowing where he is going to be come July 1. Um, and I agree the sooner Dortmund can find out the better. If it is true about the April 30th deadline, then I'd be okay if we didn't find out until the first of May <laughs> <laughs> and that price doubles, um, just because of the leverage Dortmund then have in terms of investment. But of course they need to know. But at this point, Yeah, if that if that deadline is not true, well then yeah, announce it whilst we're speaking here. Right. Uh just so that Dortmund have I mean, everyone knows he's going, right? Yeah. But obviously Dortmund can't make a move until it is official. Until they know exactly how the money's coming together, where they sit financially, and who they can speak to, because This, this is the double-edged sword. What if he doesn't leave? I know. Yeah, and the, then the, the you spent 50 million be, be, because of the what 300 million euro dollar pound. I don't know what currency package that him, his agent, and his dad are demanding. Yeah. Um it is. You know, this deal should have already been done. It's On, shocking. It's it still is shocking that it's not done. Let's be honest. He is a yeah. generational talent. He is. You know, he's probably going to better be better than Robert Lewandowski if he keeps on that trajectory and does not have uh, too many injuries. Correct. And, uh, you know, there is not a player like him um, in the next, I don't know, five, six years or so, I, I don't think, uh, on, on that level of, of finishing and, and scoring. And uh, there are very rich teams out there like the Manchester cities of the world. So I'm honestly surprised that it has taken so long. But um, yeah, here we are. Obviously, the haggling, you know, can continue for however long it, it can continue because the, the next season hasn't started yet. But still, I, I think um, there was it in January or, or December um, when Erling Haaland talked about, um, you know, uh, feeling the pressure from Dortmund because they wanted him to make a decision or make up a yeah. in February. Well, now it's almost May and he's still not announced his next move. So uh, I, I the, the, the thing that this has been so drawn out has also seriously damaged his relationship with Dortmund fans, I think, because uh, they are very tired of, of his whole spiel by now. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's less than ideal and uh, any client that's represented by Mino Raiola always comes with an extra touch of annoyance. So correct. Um, there's unfortunately it's a lot of players. Yeah, unfortunately. Um but here are three strikers that uh, the Westdeutsche Allgemeine Zeitung wrote about the other day, which is Benjamin Zesko, who is uh, 18 years old from RB mm -hmm. Salzburg, is one meter ninety-four tall in centimeters, and he scored nine goals and seven assists in 32 games, missed 10 games with a torn muscle fiber. So he's uh, prime Dortmund material. His agent is called <laughs> Elvis Bazunavich, and he met with Dortmund officials, I think, twice. 
uh, in recent weeks, including uh, around that uh, 6-1 win against Wolfsburg. So um, he's someone, uh, uh, yeah, who's playing together with uh, Karim Adeyemi, obviously. Yeah. Um, then there's, of course, a prime target called Adam Hoschleck, or I don't, I don't know how you pronounce him. Um, I don't speak Czech, yeah. but I know who you mean. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's from Sparta Prague. You know, he's 19 years old. Also, one meter 88 tall, uh, 11 goals, 15 assists in 43 games. His uh, agent is Pavel Paska. And uh, also, um, yeah, someone who was the agent of a certain Tomasz Grudziki, who is now the sporting director of Sparta Prague, and uh, Jan Koller. So um, I, I think there are certain trails and connections we can make uh, and, and say why this transfer for, I think, what, 20 million or so uh, might very well happen. And uh, there's also someone who I think has been reported uh, saying or stating uh, that he really wants to go to Dortmund. And his name is Hugo Ekitke or Ekitike. I don't know. Ekitike. <laughs> I don't know. Iki tiki? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, he he's, he plays for Sal Reim and uh, 19 years old, uh, 1 meter 90 tall, 10 goals, 4 assists in 24 games. Um, and uh, yeah, also price point around 30 million, e 25, 20. Iki tiki. Okay. There you go. <laughs> From Reims. Yes. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, I, I just listed all three before... Uh, um, asking you about every single name you have probably seen uh, lots of footage of. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, totally. Uh, but uh, most importantly, there there's a pattern here, and it's that they're all 18, 19 years old, and they're all relatively tall. And I, I think when we talk about an Erling Haaland replacement, this is really where it's going for Dortmund. It's sadly for me probably not going to be Sebastian Alea, who might be replacing Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> I don't know. Uh <laughs> Um, that's uh, that's uh, that's a point we can maybe discuss uh, at the end of the show if if you want. Um, although I feel like uh, now an hour in, we are pretty much at the end of the show. Um, but Matthias, um, you know, we have talked in in recent weeks about uh, Schlotterbeck coming uh, mm -hmm. and number six that Dortmund might want to replace. Um, but striker position is obviously also something that needs to be addressed. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, if if these are the, the guys Dortmund are being linked with, how happy are you that these are the guys that Dortmund are being linked with? Well, I mean, uh, two of the players have played for me on Football Manager. so um, All right, so uh, you're the, the prime expert. <laughs> Sesco is actually, by the way, if you play Football Manager by Benjamin Sesco, it's brilliant. He's going to score you a lot of goals. Um, the I mean, obviously, I don't watch... I don't watch the French leagues. I don't watch the Austrian league uh, or the Ebbe Salzburg league, the the um, or the Czech league. The profile is right. These are players, um, especially Sesko and uh, Losek. Losek. However, however you pronounce Probably it, Adam, or something like that. Um, that I I have heard about over actually quite a few years since they were like sixteen. Um, and so they are a known commodity. They are a known talent. Now, are they Holland level? No, no. but who the hell is? Yeah, no <laughs> I mean, one would. The, the amount of goals that kid was scoring at the ages where he was, is just, that's, that's not human. That's not normal. Um, but they fit the exact same profile. I don't know how they are in terms of speed. Uh, because obviously that's something where Holland is, he's not only a big guy, he's also very fast. It'd be great if they could also be good in the air, which Holland is not, uh, just to kind of open up more more possibilities and opportunities, because uh, Dortmund do have a few players that can actually cross the ball decently. And so uh, from that standpoint, I don't know. You throw in the age, you throw in the fact that it's a lower price tag, so you could almost go, why not get both of them? And I don't know see, if Dortmund have that kind of money. Well, I mean, if you sell uh, Holland even for 70 and you get two players each at 20, 
You have then maybe Adeyemi comes in, which is already being talked about. Uh, you um, you have Donny Malin already in the squad. Uh, you have a lot of versatility, but if you have that big guy in the middle, I mean, we're kind of talking like old school, you know, number nine, but a dynamic number nine like Holland is. Uh, I think you can have a lot of fun. And if if they are fast, and I don't know, but if they are, Dortmund playing into that massive counter strength. Because if you even look at Bayern, I mean, Lewandowski isn't super fast anymore. I mean, he was never super fast, but he has enough pace and he's just so good that when you have someone like Serge Gnabry coming in there, it, it just changes the dynamic. And Dortmund have that but they know they have to replace Holland. So if one of these has maybe not Holland pace, but um, isn't just a static number nine that can hardly move, then they're already winning. Um, You see, I think the the one thing, you know, you can obviously say that Holland is already world-class because of of his finishing numbers. It's really hard to to say that it isn't so because he's in the top 1% easily. Um, but what he is lacking, and if he really wants to be a top, top player, I think what he needs to improve a tiny bit is his first touch and his passing with his back to goal. Um, and, uh, you know, be- because there were a lot of counterattacks that uh, he botched for Dortmund just, mm-hmm. just because the, the layoff wasn't as crisp as, as it needed to be. And um, this is maybe one category where I hope that the next striker, and especially if it's uh, like a Losek or so, um, who has more assists and goals, um, that this can uh, change in the, in the positive direction for Dortmund because um, some technical skills um, are quite necessary, and especially um, looking at Dortmund's attack, which will be mm-hmm. very fluent next season. Um, I I wouldn't mind it to be honest. So um, yeah, this this is this to me is. Yeah, uh, maybe more important than the goal scoring aspect itself, um, that you have a striker who who can play uh, with the back um, to his to to the goal and and uh, you know pick, you know can can control a, a ball and and lay it off. I I think for Dortmund that opens up way more than if you just have someone who who is um, correct and number yeah, nine someone who can waiting if they can for hold the, up for the, the ball. service. Yeah. Yeah, if they can hold up the ball and then you have someone like Malin, Adeyemi, um, Gittens and so on who can run off of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, holds up the ball, plays it back to a Marco Royce who's there. You have the on-rushing, faster player. He plays it to him. He releases. I mean, it's basically the old pick and roll. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it's, it's Stockton to Malone, <laughs> essentially. Um, just if Malone was fast. Uh, but... But having that kind of dynamic, and, and I agree, that's what Dortmund is missing with Holland, because Holland isn't that player, whereas Lewandowski is that player. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, I, I'll be yeah. honest. I'm just, I, I'm just hoping that Dortmund um, stay true to this profile, even yes. if it's twenty to twenty-five million. Um, a young striker that you can develop, I think, uh, makes way more sense. Also, so that. Uh, fans need to be more forgivable with their players. And the younger mm-hmm. the players are and the, the more raw they are, at least for a certain amount of time, um, they have that uh, rookie protection, if you will, by the fans. And um, I said on the last episode, um, when Dortmund signed Nico Schlatter back, um, I will give him a long grace period, even though I think he's really good. But I also think that stepping from Freiburg to Dortmund needs some adjustment. And I personally mm-hmm. will not be too harsh right away and uh, it's not a must-win title season for me next year um for me it's more about team building about tactical cohesion and 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 seeing a development progress over time that's what i really want f- out of this team next agree season. um obviously if i win the title i will not complain about it far from any it. title um uh, exactly but um yeah, I think the priorities, uh, uh, priorities now, priorities, Jesus, um, should should be more on on the on the long term build. And uh, yep. I think uh, right now the pieces are falling together. And you know, reading those names, Dortmund are linked with a million players right now. But uh, I, I think Vesling is even Julian Draxler. Yeah, yeah. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, no. Uh, please. By the way, God, no. not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's all I have to say on the subject. Um, Obviously, uh, we can all watch the little uh, highlight videos on YouTube and uh, then dream up our uh, preferred team. But uh, I think... You can suss together from all the transfer rumors and, and assessing which are more credible and which are less credible um, that Dortmund will have an exciting team next season. You know, just I agree. Just internally, having Bino Gittens objectively adds excitement to the next season. Having Giorena back hopefully will add excitement to the season, and having Niklas Zula already will ex- add excitement to to the season because he's a big unit and he's gonna. He's going to thump some guys, and I'm looking forward to that, honestly. Me too. So that's going to make it more and exciting. And he's, ex- he's a very good central defender. Yeah. So, you know, we have not talked much about the Bochum game now, even though that's a very exciting game for Dortmund. Yeah. Um, I- I'm okay with that, because next season is also going to be exciting. But uh, I-, I will not be remiss, uh, and-, and I will say that uh, for Bochum have completely sold out their their contingent uh, of away support so there will be eight to ten thousand Bochum fans in Dortmund uh, this Saturday and I'm uh, really looking forward to that atmosphere because I said uh, after the Wolfsburg game there was first uh, the first time Jude Bellingham won in front of a sold out Westfalenstadion but uh, Lars obviously corrected me because Wolfsburg brought like 1.3 thousand fans so um, yeah <laughs> Still, it's close enough. Yeah, still, close sold, enough. still sold out home crowd, but yeah, um, th- this will still be uh, another experience for him and and Gittens and and whatnot. So I'm I'm looking forward to to this game and uh, maybe lastly uh, a, a scoreline prediction. Um, sure. Uh, I will give it a three nil to Dortmund. I'm saying four to one. All right. <laughs> I, I, I see if you're gesturing that you're somewhat agreeing. Um, I, I don't know. The, let's see. If Hits is in goal, I'll concede a goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, although Hits is actually not that bad at keeping clean sheets. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's uh, time for us to sign off now, Matthias, because uh, I've made uh, way too many pronouncing errors already and I do <laughs> not want to commit any other. So uh, please tell all this as well to find you on the Twitter webs and uh, yeah, get the heck you, out you, of you. You can find me occasionally on Twitter at Matthiasuk. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko. If you want to follow all of us, you can do that via Facebook or Twitter at Yellow Warpod. And uh, of course, you can uh, subscribe to the show via YouTube, as you can see here, or uh, <laughs> uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Uh, I think I've, I've created a link tree, so every possible podcatcher you can find uh, via that. So there you go. Uh, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode after hopefully the announcement of where Erling Haaland goes and the nice <laughs> yeah. derby win, replacement derby win, if you will, against VfL Wolfsburg. And, uh, yeah, that's all from you us. You mean VfL Bochum? Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>